0: So I think that's number one, recognizing that the world we live in has changed so rapidly that things that may have seemed ridiculous to your parents are actually very viable and worthwhile now. Um, and and yeah, I think really at the core, it stems from the idea that that life is a gift and that there are things in, out there that are worth pursuing. And that's not to say that things are easy. Um, and it's not to say that things...
1: You're listening to the Nick Amp Podcast, a podcast that dives into the lives and stories of creatives, entrepreneurs, and outdoor enthusiasts. My name is Nick Amp, and I'm a filmmaker and photographer best known for documenting stories in the mountains. We sit down with guests to uncover where they pull inspiration from, dig into their experiences in the outdoor industry, and find a ton of actionable inspiration from their adventures in life. Alright, welcome to episode 17. Our guest today does not live in the United States. You may know him from his epic mountaineering excursions in British Columbia, or his epic photographs capturing all these dangerous activities that he does. He's a photographer, content creator, filmmaker, social media consultant, all along with being a mountaineer. And without further ado, we have on Lucas Mon. Lucas, it's great to have
0: you on, man. Thanks, Nick. Nice to be here with you, too.
1: Awesome, Lucas. Just to get started, I'm curious to know, how did this photography journey start? Like, when did you pick up the first camera? Were you always a creative person?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I'll try to keep it as short as possible. I grew up originally on the east coast of Canada in Prince Edward Island. Small little town. Uh, That was my life from when I was two years old till about ten. Uh, and then when I was 10, uh, my father got a job overseas in Indonesia, um, working at a school in Jakarta. And so my family, I've got five younger siblings and two parents and, and then six of us kids, we all up and moved all across the world, uh, ended up in Indonesia. And so to the best of my recollection, honestly, you know, my mom might be the right person to ask this question. But to, to the best of my recollection, uh, the start of my photography journey came when we moved to Indonesia. Uh, I had just bought a GoPro. Uh, and my family had just bought a cheap Sony Alpha 6000 and they just wanted a way to share with our friends and family back home what we were up to. Um, you know, life in Indonesia was very foreign uh, to us obviously at the time, but also to our friends and family back home. And so um, we had the the privilege over over the uh, years that we lived in Indonesia of traveling around uh, progressively over um, over those years. And so I kind of was the just kind of the default photographer. I was given the uh, the task of you know view, whatever take the camera lucas go take photos whatever post them on facebook let us post them on facebook we'll we'll let our friends and family back home know them and i think it was around that time maybe uh you know it was it was a couple years into my time in indonesia i was probably more like 15 16 um but that was when i first started using instagram um and quickly just kind of got wrapped up in the whole world of instagram travel photography that was kind of that was kind of the golden era of, of the photographic age on Instagram where there was no video and everything was just all these IG bangers from all over the place. And no one knew what they were seeing and everything was super crazy. Um, and obviously now it's it's funny because social media's had its own kind of lifespan, right? Everything changes so quickly. But yeah, that was kind of how I started uh, with a camera was, you know, given that, you know, quote unquote responsibility of, okay, take the camera, take some photos. Send them back to friends and family, post them on Facebook, you know, that kind of thing. So yeah, that was really that was really kind of the the start of everything.
1: Wow. You know, I mean I started with a GoPro too, so that's awesome to hear another GoPro beginner. Yeah. At what beginners. point did you uh move back to Canada after Indonesia?
0: Yeah, good question. So I was in Indonesia from, you know, whenever 10, 11 years old till uh the year before I graduated high school so I was 17 uh and that was right when covid hit um so that was 2019 oh, I was 2020 right early 2020 and I still had one more year left of, of high school in indonesia but at the time I was playing basketball quite seriously um I wasn't a prodigy or anything but it was outside so but it put a quite a few years of work into it and um I had wanted to progress to to play university in canada eventually uh, but in Indonesia, it appeared that sports were not going to be coming back anytime soon, um, just due to the pandemic. And it it looked like there were places in Canada that were still able to hold seasons. And so, I uh, I looked into um, the possibility of coming back to Canada to play prep basketball, uh, and then that you know became an opportunity in the summer of 2020. And so. Uh, that was when I moved back to Canada. And so I moved to Toronto, uh, which I'd ever actually never been to before. Um, Canada, as you know, is a pretty big place. And I was I was way on the East Coast and Toronto's East, but it's I'd, I'd never spent time there before. And so, um, yeah, I flew across the country or across the country, across the world by myself, landed in Toronto um, and kind of just started a new life. Essentially, I picked up by the uh, picked up at the airport by my coach and shuttled back to the house where our team was living. And and then that was that. So a year, I spent that year in Toronto um, during the pandemic. So school was mostly online. We had a little bit of in-person. And then the league that I was a part of had somehow found a way to keep some games going. It wasn't a full season, but it was definitely more than more than what I could have had in Indonesia. And that was all I needed, right? So um, so that year went, uh, that, so yeah, so that was the 2020-2021 um, school year. And so that was my first year back in Canada after living in Indonesia. Um, yeah, I did absolutely nothing to do with the, with photography. I I don't think I picked up a camera once that entire year.
1: You answered my question. I was going to say, so at what was your photography like at that point when you were playing basketball in your senior year, but so you didn't, don't think you
0: picked it up a single time? No, not, no. I actually, I know for a fact I didn't because it was in my, uh, it was in my suitcase the whole time. I never touched it, uh. You know, it was something I really loved. I really enjoyed it in Indonesia. But I'm, I'm very, you know, when I love something, I just focus on it. And so, you know, for a period of time in Indonesia, I had really enjoyed it, and it was something that I, I appreciated a lot. And I would say I had curated my feed a bit. Like it definitely wasn't just a personal Instagram. I definitely made it a bit more photographic. I had, I put a bit more effort into that. I think I might have had three, four thousand followers, nothing crazy. Um, but yeah, no, I, I just, I just focused all my, all my efforts on, on basketball. So it just kind of wasn't really in my headspace at that point. Um, and that all obviously ended up changing, uh, but that's that's kind of another story.
1: You're playing basketball, senior year, get some games in, and then you're a college student, so did you pick up photography once you joined college?
0: Yeah, great question. So what happened was I had intended to come out to BC to play for a Christian university out here called Trinity Western University. And so that all happened. I, I worked over the summer in Alberta. And then when the summer ended, I, I, I bought a motorcycle and uh, strapped my uh, a big duffel bag and a backpack to the back of the motorcycle and drove out from the Rockies. So um, that was kind of how I pulled up in BC and showed up on campus with a loud red motorcycle and a couple bags. And that was that was my life right there. So uh, yeah but again even at that point it was very much still basketball focused so I came into school um, and within the first couple of weeks I realized that actually working over the summer in Alberta I had injured my right wrist so my shooting wrist um, working landscaping and it wasn't some it wasn't a you know big tra- trauma or anything it was just kind of a repetitive stress injury um, just from the landscaping work that I was doing but it was enough that I really wasn't able to play basketball at any at any level essentially um you know it's obviously a very wrist risk dominant sport you have to be able to you know pick up the ball and shoot it many 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 times a day uh and so you know day to day life I was fine um but basketball was kind of out of the question and so I initially thought okay that's fine I'll just take a semester off I'll you know go hike a little bit whatever hang out and then and then come back in december um but two things happened one my wrist did not get better like I thought it would. Um and to be clear, I wasn't I wasn't some sort of like highly toted recruit. I, I came and was, you know, was was hoping to play a bit eventually down the line. But it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like I was some crazy basketball player, but definitely had the had the opportunity to pursue that. Um anyway, yeah. So so my my wrist uh didn't get better as I thought it would. And I wanted my first hike in BC. Um so those two things kind of came together and and you know one thing led to another and i realized wow, i'm i'm actually really enjoying this you know this hiking thing and it wasn't that i hadn't hiked before but man british columbia is a very different very different story to the east coast indonesia's got some great hiking we i well while, while i lived there we definitely um my family and i spent some time hiking some of the volcanoes there um but it's just different i mean it's phenomenal it's super super beautiful but there's nothing like getting to the top of a mountain in winter and looking out and seeing nothing but you know, snow-capped peaks and, and all directions. Mm-hmm. And that was mm-hmm. just a completely novel experience for me. And so that very much altered the trajectory of my life. You know, those two things, the risk not improving as much as I thought it would, and the fact that I discovered this, you know, to me, what seemed like this unexplored wilderness. Now, of course, there's pe- there's plenty of people out there, but, you know, to me, in my life, it was just this thing that was completely brand new. And so I, you know, I'm I, I'm very much the kind of person that if I'm going to do something, I do it wholeheartedly. Or I just don't want to do it at all. And that essentially that became the mountains. Uh, and I would actually say I didn't, you know, I didn't do it. I mean, photography, even at that point, wasn't really a huge consideration. It was more just I love the mountains. Um, and so photography became, you know, over the course of a couple months, it kind of re-entered my life. And I realized, oh, well, these places are phenomenally beautiful. It makes complete sense for me to bring my camera up. And I've already got some skill, right? I wasn't I wasn't phenomenal by any means, but I was I was all right. I, I knew how to edit a little bit and I knew how to, you know, use a camera. And so yeah, I just started lugging my uh lugging my Sony Alpha six thousand with a kit lens and, and one telephoto lens uh, up every mountain I went to and that kind of became how I how I started, I guess, my journey to where I am now.
1: Everyone's gotta start somewhere And the one thing, you said you've been hiking before, so did a friend from college just introduce like, "Hey, let's go hit the trails in BC," or is it just, uh, "I'm gonna go by
0: myself because I see some cool mountains"? I'm gonna go. Yeah, good question. So I had I had done a little bit of research on a uh, hike called Panorama Ridge, which is uh, super well known in BC. Um, it's a it, it's difficult. It's you know it's almost thirty k, thirty kilometers round trip. I don't know what that is in miles, like. Eighteen miles, something like that, um, long enough, and it's you know seventeen hundred yeah, meters of elevation gain. So all right, again, I don't know, eight thousand feet, seven seven thousand feet again. It's you know it's a big hike, um and but it, you know it was popular enough that I I'd, I'd seen photos from it, and, and there was an established trail and whatnot, and so I I kind of harangued a, a group of people together, and uh I think there were four of us, yeah, and so I. Yeah, I just kind of came up with the idea of doing it as an overnight um, because I knew enough about just hiking that, you know, it's always nicer to get to places when it's either sunrise or sunset. Uh, And sorry, by overnight, I don't mean camping. I just mean we left at midnight. And so uh, we had a group of four of us. We squeezed into a tiny little Honda Civic. I, I think I, yeah, I would say I probably had maybe a bit more hiking experience than the others, but not enough for it to be really significant. We were all pretty much on the same level. Um, but I, I had, I, I had came up with the plan and we, you know, we got the necessary gear we needed, had lamps and waters and flashlights and whatever winter layers. Cause this was, this was October. And so there was already about three feet of snow up at the summit, um, which we knew, uh, we weren't, I wouldn't say we were perfectly prepared for it, but we were all right. We had, we had, what we needed. And yeah, so we, we drove up to, uh, you know, Squamish Whistler area and, yeah, spent six, six and a half hours driving, uh, driving, sorry, spent six, six and a half hours hiking up this trail in the middle of the night um, through bear country. And in all honesty, there, were, there were a couple signs on the trail that said, you know, morning, dangerous bear in area. And we kind of just crossed our fingers and kept going. Um, You know, in hindsight, I don't know if that was the wisest decision. I don't know if we had bear spray, but anyway, this is what happened. And we got to the peak and... I, you know, I kid you not, I I have never to this day and, you know, I've spent, you know, a couple of years now doing this, but to this day, I have never seen a more stunning sunrise in my life. And it, I'll, I'll have to link or I can send you the photos after or something, but it, it, you know, I think that video, I think that video I posted probably four or five times on my Instagram and TikTok, and I think combined it has over 10 million views. It's just one of those, it's one of those videos that just blows you away, um, and so it was almost coincidental. Like, you know, obviously we had the plan and we went to do it, but we had checked the weather and it was like, ah, maybe we'll get us on earth, maybe we we'll won't, who knows? Um and I guess looking back, it was kind of divine providence that it was so incredible because it just me, right? It was it was absolutely out of this world. And and that was that. Like after that, it was just I was just hungry for more of it. And so that that really fueled the fire to to keep pushing.
1: It's an amazing story, Luke, Lucas. So you're a college student, photographer, mountaineer. Uh how do you balance working with these brands and being a full time student? I know you're a photographer for Mount Seymour. How does all that work? Trying to be, yeah,
0: uh, it didn't work very well. Uh, so I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll correct you a little bit. <laughs> I was a full time student until December, and then I dropped out. Um, so I've been out of school for. Oh. What is that? Five months, four months? Um January, February, March, April. Yeah. About yeah. four months. So yeah, no, I mean to answer your question didn't work super well. Um, I wasn't failing out school by any means. I was fine. Uh, but I, I definitely I definitely was busy. Um and in all honesty, I was neg- I would I don't know if I could say I was neglecting school, but I definitely um it was a lower priority than other things were to me. Um so yeah, I I mean I guess as with most things in life, it was kind of just a, a slow progression, right? So, I, you know, the first year I was really invested in school, I, I, I liked it a lot. Um, I think by the end of the first year, I definitely was a little bit less interested and I was a bit more interested in progressing in the mountains and, uh, you know, going out on, on bigger trips and finding better partners and buying more gear and um, becoming more comfortable in, in consequential terrain. And so that started to consume more and more of my, you know, my, my brain. And school kind of naturally took a little bit less of a, you know, significant place in my life. Uh, and then I, I came back for my second semester, my third semester at university. And about halfway through, I remember sitting down on my bed and thinking, and I think at this point, I might have had like 20, 30,000 followers. So nothing crazy, but enough, enough for it to be cool, right? It was definitely, you know, it was definitely something that I hadn't really expected, but I, I, I loved it. it. was It was awesome. And I remember sitting down and thinking, okay, you know, I kind of have a, I kind of have a bit of a crossroads here. I can continue to do school, uh, which wasn't a bad option. It wasn't that I hated school or I was doing poorly or anything. Um, but it was just, you know, that was one option. And then I also had the option of, okay, I, I could potentially drop out and see if I can make this work as a full-time job, um, which at the time was tremendously unnerving. Uh, I knew people did it and I knew that it was possible, but I didn't think I was at the point where I could yet. Um, and I was 19 when I was having that, you know, that thought in my head. And so it it was just very much, you know, would brands even hire a 19 year old, and what what could I even really offer? I mean, I kind of just like hiking and photography, but you know, that it, how do you really make enough money to live off that? Um, which to, you know, in all in all honesty, I'm still kind of always in the process of figuring out and getting better at. It. Um, but I, 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 had some good conversations with people and realized, you know what, like this is a possibility. Um, and even if it is a little bit scary, I'd rather take the risk now and, and fail potentially. And, you know, worst case scenario, school will always take your money. Um, and I, I say that, I say that to people all the time, like, <laughs> you know, school is great. It's not a bad thing. Education is, you know, I think education can be very important, uh, you know, depending on your path, but. It's not like it has to happen immediately once you graduate high school. Um, And if you're two years in, no one says you can't stop and take a couple of years and go back one day if you'd like to. And I think that, I think a lot of people think of it like, ah, if I don't do it now, I'm never going to do it. But the reality is, I mean, there's some, there's people that go back when they're 30, right? You can, you can always get education if you need it. And there is not a school in the world that will refuse your money as long as you, you know, as long as you can get, you know, past the entrance requirements, right? So I, that kind of was my, thought process and i realized okay well you know i might as well just take take the plunge and see how it goes and so that was that was in october and i turned 20 in october and then by december i was done um and i went back to indonesia for a couple of weeks to see my family and then i came back to canada in january and um so you know that was only four months ago and ever since then that's you know this has been kind of my my full-time life which is you know certainly not as glamorous as it seems it's not like i'm just hiking every day and taking photos and money just gets automatically deposited in my bank account but but i have you know i've had to get creative um and i've definitely found ways to to make it work and, and of course i'm still always in the process of you know how do you make more money and how do you find better clients and how do you keep your clients around longer and um what kind of you know how can i diversify my income whether i'm selling things on my instagram or, or helping brands with different things like there's so many different things i could talk about but yeah i definitely don't want to give the impression that i'm uh you know, I'm 20 years old and I just have it made over here. But, I, you know, I definitely have seen enough to know that this is a viable pathway. Uh, and that was all I needed to know.
1: You're doing what you love, whether it's glamorous or not, because what you love is more important than all that money coming in and making this glamorous life off the bat. Call, I was a college dropout at, what was that? 20 maybe? I like right after COVID, same thing happened. Yeah. Again. Um, had a full time job marketing, uh, quit there and I've been full time since October. So I'm like not far off from you and like everything you're saying is totally relatable and it's good for people to hear saying twenty years old, don't have everything figured out. I'm twenty three, I'm not much older than you. Um what are some challenges that you've... Yeah,
0: great question. ...had to navigate um, through in these last I, months? You know, there's a couple of things. things. Uh, I think right off the bat, um, I have a very ADHD brain, and so one of the things I struggle with on a daily basis is being able to construct habits and systems for myself that are propelling me towards where I want to go um, because I find it very easy to get off track and to, you know, shiny object syndrome. It's It's so easy to find new exciting opportunities that could be interesting but might not really lead to where I want to go in the long term um, and so that's always kind of a mental battle to try to figure out okay are these things it's not actually really a question of is this thing good or could it be interesting it's more is this does this lead me to the one place I want to go um, and and that's up to everyone to determine where they want to go but but that's kind of been a bit of a, bit of a battle for me trying not to get you know, just overwhelmed with all the different things I could be doing with my time, and then I think on a more practical standpoint, um, you know, essentially what I'm what I'm offering is a you know a, a service based business, right? I'm I can I do photo, video, and consulting um, for brands, mostly in the outdoor industry. Although I do have a couple back end clients that I'm working in, in other industries for. Um, but the goal long-term is to be, you know, primarily within the outdoor industry. And so, oh, where was I going with that? Um, oh yeah. And so, you know, fundamentally at, at the core of a service-based business, any, any business really, but, uh, you know, service-based businesses, um, you have to, there's really two things. You, you have to get more clients and you have to keep more clients. Right. And so it's, you know, you know, in business terms, it's client acquisition and client retention um but how do you you know how do you reach out to and find better contacts better brands better partnerships to make um which is always a daily weekly monthly thing um and then how do you keep them around for longer right like how how do you provide services that are not just a one-off but are gonna you know they're gonna want to keep coming back for more how do i position myself to not just be a you know a quick one-off like do a quick real job see you later um how do i provide enough value? Uh, not just with my work, but also with my mindset and how I approach things to, for them to want me to keep working with them. Right. Uh, So I think that's, that's been kind of the biggest learning, learning process for me. Um, And I haven't, it's not like I've just magically figured that out. That's been through many different conversations and and learning opportunities with different people. But I'd say, you know, I think, I think right off the bat, as anyone would echo, you know, it's, it's tough to find brands that align with your values and that want to work with you. And so, um, you know that's always that's always the issue uh and that's always you know something that i'm i'm always thinking about and always approaching uh trying to approach very intentionally so whether that's trying to build a bit more of a presence on linkedin where more brand directors and managers are or whether that's uh just setting a daily quarter how many how many outreach how many pieces of outreach am i sending on it on a daily basis whether that's instagram dms or emails or linkedin requests or whatever um being intentional about sharing more of who i am rather than just my work there's so many things that go into it, right but I think for me the biggest the biggest learning process has yeah I'll just summarize that the first thing figuring out how to structure my brain and my life so that my daily actions are taking me to where I want to go uh, and then the second part has been figuring out how a you know a creative service based business like mine um how what how do we sustain ourselves right like what is the lifeblood of business and what are the things. Um, that I should be most hard on myself for to, to keep doing on a daily basis. So, and I mean, those are both kind of combined, right? So uh, I think that's definitely been the, the biggest kind of learning curve that, that I've experienced. All great answers, Lucas.
1: I mean, you hit it right on the nail. So for those people who are listening, replay that and listen to it again, probably because you're going to really want to listen closely to what he said there. To move forward with that, You do a lot of outdoor photography. And quite frankly, there's a lot of things you have to worry about protecting your camera. Camera freezing, batteries dying, getting wet. So what is your go-to camera setup or your favorite camera
0: setup when you're going out Mm -hmm. to photograph Question: mountaineering? Um, I extremely minimal when it comes to my gear. So I, for the longest time, shot on a Sony Alpha 6000. Uh, I upgraded in November. Uh, and people, you know, uh, whether you like it or not, I, I hit, I think I hit over 50,000 followers before I even upgraded my camera. So I had, it, you know, I was shooting on a $600 Sony camera with a kit lens um, and then posting iPhone reels uh, for over a year before I even took the, you know, the liberty to upgrade. So, and again, followers don't mean everything, but, but the point is, uh, you know, people can appreciate work no matter whether it comes from a $6,000 camera or a $600 camera, right? Um, so now what I shoot on is a Canon R6. Uh, I did the switch over to Canon. Just, I, I heard better things about, um, well, actually that's, you know, from, from the Alpha 6000, it honestly didn't really matter. I I could have gone Sony, could have gone Canon, ended up going Canon. Um, and so I'm super happy with what I shoot on now. I honestly have, I have one lens I shoot on 24 to 70. Um, that's, that will change very quickly. I, I've got a um, telephoto uh, coming soon, uh, and I'll probably get one more of kind of a wide angle lens. Uh, but I've also found like the the resolution on a uh on a full frame camera is such that if I'm shooting at 70 mils and I want to crop into, you know, what would be a 100, 100 millimeter focal length, like it's fine, right? So um it gets the job done. I there's always, you know, different things I'm wanting to upgrade, but that's what I'm on right now. Um I don't have a tripod. I don't have a camera bag. I don't have ND filters. People are gonna laugh at me for this, but I honestly I'm I'm super, super raw when it comes to stuff. And and these are things that I'm sure will change over time. Um but I'm just very much like a bare bones guy like I don't want to buy something if I'm not going to use it. Um, And so, you know, for example, like, you know, often, often when I'm heading out on, on bigger overnight trips, I don't want a camera bag. I don't need a camera bag. I essentially have my camera and I have my batteries and I've got my one lens, which again, will change a bit. Um, But currently I've got my, you know, my one lens and my batteries. And so really it's just, how do I, how do I get this in my pack and keep it accessible at, at all times, but not damage it. And so, oftentimes i'll actually i'll often just literally wrap it in a hat and put it right on the top of my bag and so it's super accessible put my bag down open it up grab the camera shoot um put it right back in i you know it's hard to have a dedicated camera pack when oftentimes the vast majority of what i'm carrying has nothing to do with cameras uh and so again like these are all things that are I'm, i'm sure will change over the years as i as i improve and as i upgrade my kit and as i Um, I'm shooting maybe a bit more technical work, but, but for right now, you know, you can get by with some pretty minimal setups. So yeah, I, am i I'm a big fan of the way I do it. Um, I'm not a, not a big tripod guy. I'd rather shoot at a higher ISO and get a little bit of grain in it than have to set up a tripod. That's just kind of how I am. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm rarely taking photos of myself. I don't really do much self timer stuff. I'm usually taking photos of other people or worst case, I'll hand someone else my camera and they can take a photo of me so um i haven't found much of a need for a tripod personally yet um so again like these are all things that that can change and i'm sure will change but as far as where i am now yeah super bare bones i'm 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 pretty minimal when it comes to my gear so one thing you pointed out
1: when you're hiking and you're mountaineering going on these to the summits you're focused on the things that are going to keep you safe rather than how much camera gear you're going to bring. I mean, dude, I mean, I don't do as technical work as you, but I mean, I've done many overnight excursions up winter summit hikes, and I pack minimal camera gear because you're carrying so much gear outside of that that you want to make sure you're safe. And so, like, when you're thinking about now upgrading, like, am I going to sacrifice this piece of gear that's going to get up the mountain or am I going to bring that extra lens what's the one you're going to do and then you're saying it's a more technical shoot okay but with that attitude now you're knowing that this one's going to be for work so you're going to approach it a little bit differently it might be a little bit less of a technical hike but just enough to where you can bring enough camera gear and fit it in there and pack it and be less stuff Yeah. so that's a good point that you made there and moving forward at what point did you start making money from photography
0: as you are growing your personal brand? Yeah. Good question. Um, to the best of my recollection, the first, uh, the first time I made enough money for it to be significant, um, was I posted a couple photos. Oh, I've been posting on Visco for quite a while. I, I, I like how, uh, I like how Visco has no sort of metrics that are trackable. I don't know how many followers I have. I don't know how many people I'm following. I don't really know how many people like my photos or repost them. I, I just post whatever I want. And so I posted one photo um, from a, well, a couple photos actually from a climb up in Pemberton, BC. And there's some of my favorite photos ever. I actually have them on my wall right up there. Um, but they got it they kind of went viral on on visco uh again I don't know how I just I had to turn off my notifications because it, it it was a little excessive and then visco reached out to me uh via email and asked to license um a couple of those those photos for an earth Day campaign that they were wanting to put on and so it was like I think 450 bucks an, an image or something something along those lines so nothing wild uh some people would say that you know oh you know that's a that's a rip off, they should have been paying you more than that. But to be honest with you, I'd never made really any money off photography at that point. And so for me, it was sweet. Uh so that was definitely the that was definitely the the first the first time that I was able to monetize that, which was about a year ago. Uh, and no, it was it was it was a lot. It wasn't much over a year ago. It was probably close to a year ago. Uh and so from that point on, then I just started to um i kind of started to double down on i think my account uh and i realized oh well you know if i can gain more followers on instagram maybe i'll just get more work which is true and also isn't true uh and i can explain more about that later but um eventually i had a i had a couple companies reach out just they wanted to use my videos so they didn't really want me to go out and shoot stuff where they're just like hey can we can we license this video um and so that that kind of came eventually uh, but even then, it wasn't much. It was like a couple hundred bucks a video, and I was like, "Sure, you can post it." Because um, again, it was you know no skin off my back. I've already taken these videos. Sure, no problem. Go for it. Um, and then I, you know, I, I spent a lot of time kind of gradually learning more about what different creative businesses look like. Um, you know, what different personal brands look like. Whether it's important for me to have a front-facing personal brand and maybe a rear-facing brand that I do other work with. Um, and so that's, I think that's kind of where I'm at right now, where I do uh, a bit of work within the, uh, I guess I would characterize it as kind of the construction industry. Um, so a bit of commercial photography and some content creation for socials. Uh, so that's a portion of my income. And then I also am working with, with brands so, uh, and, and businesses. So um, Mount Seymour, you mentioned that earlier. So I, I did uh, a bunch of commercial videography for them this past uh, season. That actually had nothing to do with social media. That was more, mostly for paid ads and YouTube and uh, organic stuff online. And that was sweet. So I, I just kind of went up to the hill and had a day rate and shot for them and handed off all my footage afterwards and left. So that was that was a good uh, good portion of my income over the winter months. Uh, and then now I'm currently in talks with another brand to, to set up a bit more consistent uh, work from the mountains. And so... It's just always, there's so many different pathways and avenues to make money. Uh, I think it's more just a question of, uh, you know, which which make the most sense to you and what do you want to pursue, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you have a big personal brand now. You have accumulation of over 170,000 followers across platforms, over 100K on Instagram. And you post motivational, inspiring content that is pushing people to comprehend that they can achieve their goals, whether it's doing that hard mountain hike or going after their dreams in photography. What are your motivations behind all of that? Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I think I, you know, I definitely didn't start out with the intention to make, you know, motivational content. I think that is something that I've kind of gradually morphed into a little bit. Uh, I don't know if that'll be something I'll do forever. I'm sure again, as you know, creative evolution, you're always, you're always changing, you're always growing, you're always, you know, your style is always different. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm kind of gradually moving more towards the, um, videography side of things. And so getting into more, um, more intentional video production. But yeah, I think the original kind of where I started out on Instagram to now a lot of it, you're right, was kind of driven by that inspirational, motivational content. And I think the reason for that was I, you know, I love seeing people out there in the mountains uh, and I love taking people out and I love showing people what there is out there. But there's a lot of distractions in our everyday lives down here at sea level. Um, There's a lot of reasons why people don't want to go put in the work and you know, grind up a, a steep mountain and watch sunset, and camp, and come down. And I mean, as much as that does sound like a you know a wonderful experience, there's you know in reality there's a lot of really enticing things down here too. Um, but I think the reason why why I cared so much about it was because it it truly changed my life. Like it completely changed the trajectory of my life. Um, and if it did that for me, I know you know I know for a fact it can do that for other people. Um, will it do it for everyone? No, not not a chance. Uh, but the more people that I can reach, the the more. Uh, the more the chances are that that someone out there will be inspired enough or motivated enough by the stuff that I'm sharing uh, to be able to go out there and, and do that too. And, and that doesn't have to mean like becoming a, a professional photographer, becoming a crazy mountaineer, that maybe that just means going on one more hike a month and maybe you buy some backpacking gear and go on some really chill backpacking trips with your friends. And it doesn't have to be the, the super, you know, the super technical climbing and the really, you know, really deep remote expeditions. You know, those things are awesome. And of course, I love them. But but that's not what it has to be for everyone. I think enjoying the outdoors can can look very different across, across the spectrum. And I would never, you know, think it's my position to tell anyone how to do that. But I think that's where that, you know, motivational, inspirational content came from was because I legitimately thought, man, like more people need to be out there uh, and more people need to experience this because it's changed my life and I know it can change other people's. And and that was really where it was where it was born out of. Great answer. I mean
1: the one thing I really want to touch on is you're saying people do not have to go all out and be this professional mountaineer or adventure photographer out there in nature. One more hike month. Simple. That's how awesome being out there is. And keep doing what you're doing there and for the people who are listening and everyone else who might hear it this podcast what would you tell someone who is posting content that isn't doing good should they keep going or should they give it up and i know that's a vague that's a vague question you're like well what's their circumstances for example let's give you someone who's been posting the same type of content for 90 days there you go. Yeah. there's your character
0: um I think at the core, you have to ask yourself what your goal is with it. Um, And so for me, I I knew that long term I wanted to uh, build more of a intentional brand uh, behind, you know, the things that I do and the things that I love. And so that was always kind of more of a long term goal. Um, And so I think, you know, I think number one, you have to ask yourself what you want or or if you're just posting content so that you can gain some followers that you can look cooler to your friends or so that you can, you know, hit that 10K mark or, or whatever it may be um then you know truthfully I don't think it matters I, you know I think I think there has to be a purpose behind it um and I think the purpose has to be well intentioned not not in the sense that um you know that everyone is just pure hearted but I I think I think really it shouldn't be a desire to just have your name associated with a number I think it should be much deeper than that like what do you you know really what is your end game with this Um, and I know for me, this was, you know, truthfully, social media was never the end game and it never will be. Uh, but I think it is, I think it's a tool and I think it's, uh, by far the best way to get my name out there and my work out there. And if I want to make a living as a, as an adventure photographer, then, then that's, you know, I just came to the conclusion, well, that's what I have to do. And so, yes, for me, it was very much worth being consistent with it. And yeah, 90, to be honest with you, man, 90 days is nothing. Uh, I, you know, I'm sure there, you know, I know people out there that put 90 days into it and boom, they'll pop and they'll gain 10 K like that. Or there's people that put 90 days into it and they lose followers, right? And so I think, I think the key is, I mean, as much as life can be short, it also, you know, it's also a very long journey that we have. And I think we often, especially people our age in their early twenties get caught up in trying to achieve something incredible within the next two to three years. And I think what you rather should be doing is thinking much more long-term and thinking, okay, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, where do I want to be? And so you know truthfully if, if you're posting for 90 days and you, and you have a reason for it right if you've got some sort of an internal um, you know equation that you want to fulfill to get to where you want to go to um, if you've been posting for 90 days and you haven't been successful keep posting right 90 days is ninety days is nothing um, I think I think maybe if you're posting for 6 months to a year and you're seeing no sort of progress uh, I think that's where you maybe need to start to um, reach out to people ask ask people to give I mean you should be doing this no matter what but I think you know there's always there's always the possibility that you're doing something wrong um but there's also always the possibility that you just haven't been doing something for long enough right i i think there's this you know there's this wonderful um image and i'll I'll do my best to describe it for you where uh there's this miner and he's deep down in a mine shaft and he's he's chiseling away at the wall uh mining for diamonds and he's going and he's going and he's going and you can see this from the side right in this in this image and and he ends up giving up and it was only a couple more swings till that diamond was there. Uh, but he just stopped, right? And so I think in life, it's, it's not really about how quickly you succeed or, or what even success looks like. I think it's more just, are you playing the game or are you not? And I think playing the game doesn't necessarily mean you have to keep posting on social media. I think it more just means you have to understand what your trajectory is and how social media can play a part in that. And as long as you're confident that it's going to play a part in that in that role for you, um, then do whatever you can, right? Keep posting, go talk to people that are doing a really good job. Um, if you want to pay money to for a coach that's going to come in and kind of audit your account, and give you insight and help you grow. Um, you know, make a list of the top 10 creators that you love and, and turn on their post notifications and watch all their stuff every single day and take inspiration from it. I mean, there's so many different ways to get better, and I truly believe if you put six months to a year into it, I guarantee you you will see some sort of progress. Um, and and I also think you have to be willing to not measure progress by followers. I mean, it can definitely, it certainly is a good metric, but there are other other ways to to make progress as well, and it's not always followers. Um, so I you know I think I think I would say that I think one life's a, life's a long ride. Uh, you don't have to make it in the next year to two years to three years. Um, But I think you should extend that timeline, extend that time horizon for yourself uh, and really ask yourself those deep questions. Is this going to help me get to where I want to go? And if it does, then keep out it. Fantastic, Lucas. That was spot on.
1: Uh, One thing I want to ask you is some people who are in this social media realm and photography, whatever, they're trying to start a business or they're trying to get followers. They don't realize that they're in a game or that there's a game to be played, they don't realize that. And maybe they're just, I've a picture for you, there's a hamster wheel just going in a circle. How does someone get off their hamster wheel and identify that they're actually
0: in this game and that there's things they need to do? Just in terms of life, do you mean? Or are you talking in the context of social media? Or give, give me a bit more insight. So, social media photography, you can you can branch yeah. out to life if you want, but they're applicable. Yeah, well, I think I mean I think there's there's a couple of things. I think um, recognizing that uh, you know in a lot of ways life is life is too short to do something you don't really enjoy for for the entirety of your life, and you know working forty years, fifty years, sixty years for for twenty years of retirement at the end is you know. It's fine. It's it's not a terrible thing. There are many, many, many people who do it. Um, but I think in the day and age that we live in, uh, in the in the modern era, in the in the digital world, there are there are in, you know there's an infinity of different ways to find um, to find a different path than maybe the status quo was 50 years ago. And so I think recognizing that the world has changed very quickly and that there are truly infinitely more possibilities today than there were even 50 years ago. So I think that's number one, recognizing that the world we live in has changed so rapidly that things that may have seemed ridiculous to your parents are actually very viable and worthwhile now. Um, and and yeah, I think really at the core, it stems from the idea that, that life is a gift and that there are things in, out there that are worth pursuing. And that's not to say that things are easy. Um, and it's not to say that things are just going to come like that. Uh, but I think to be able to really sink your teeth into something and just go for it, uh, you know, no one really, no one really faults anyone for failing at things. I think it's more the failing to try that that really bugs other people and it bugs me. Um, and I think it's that's how you should probably reframe—not obviously not you—but that's how you know that's how everyone should reframe their thought. Is it's it's really not about failing or winning or success. It's it's more just about you know throwing your hat in the ring, like giving it a shot because. There's, there's always going to be critics, but, um, you know, I always tell myself, like, I don't, I don't take criticism from people who aren't in the ring with me. Right. And so, and that's not a disrespectful thing. I mean, you're welcome to criticize me all you want, but, uh, you know, for me, the people that I'm going to take advice from and take criticism from are the ones that I'm looking up to and the ones that are doing the things that I want to do, um, and there are always going to be people that are going you know, to have different opinions about how you should live your life, but really no one cares. Like, and I think that's another thing that's really good to remind yourself is people are so absorbed in their own lives that no one really cares what you do. I mean, you think they care, but really that's, you know, it's, it's called the spotlight effect. Like you, you think that there's this massive spotlight on you all the time and everyone's, you know, you're walking around and everyone's staring at you, but in reality, it's, like, you know, whatever. Right. Um, you know, you could just be off the face of the earth and, and, you know, I don't want to be morbid, but, you know, you, you know, you die today and there's going to be a funeral and, you know, to <laughs> each and everyone's going to be going about their lives. Um, and so I think it's just really crucial to remind yourself, like, your life is your own. Um, and I think it's completely up to you to determine what what you want out of it um, and what your priorities are. So I think, yeah, I think that, you know, sorry, that's this convoluted answer. But, yeah, that's kind of where I would where I would put my put my money on. Quick moment.
1: For those of you listening, replay that portion too. Listen to it again. It's your life. And it's just too short to be doing things that you don't want to do for 40 years. Unless you're in this game and you have a trajectory that you know this job that you're doing is funding your side business. funding your side endeavors, your adventures, funding your travels. So
0: Lucas, well said. Yeah. Great question. I, uh, so obviously on my Instagram, uh, I'm on pretty much every platform there is. I'm, I'm Explorer man. Um, so same as it's spelled on my Instagram with two N's on the end. Uh, so I'm on Instagram, I'm on TikTok. I'm on Visco LinkedIn. Uh, my website is explorerman.com. Uh, and soon enough here, I'll be starting a, uh, what I think will be a bi-weekly, um, email newsletter. Uh, kind of centered around stories from the mountains and and really diving into a bit more of my mindset and and the things that I do on a daily basis and so it won't just be uh, it won't just be uh, you know photos and stories it'll also just kind of be stuff like this right things that I've been thinking about things that I've been um, learning from in my own life that I can share with my uh, with my audience um, so I think that that's definitely going to be. Over the next coming months, that'll definitely be a really good way to kind of get to know more about me, and I'm I'm excited to start sharing on that on that platform as well. I've always been I've always loved writing. I I've uh, it's always been something I've I think taken quite naturally to. and so I'm excited to to start that uh, format and start sharing more with people on there. So yeah, explorer man on everything, and uh, soon a newsletter will be coming.
1: Great! If you guys didn't hear that, he's explorer man on every social media account, and highly recommend subscribing to his email newsletter once he puts that out. This guy is a true inspiration to a lot of people who want to get after their dreams. And, Lucas, genuinely appreciate you coming out here and chatting with me today. Um, I also guess I'll talk to you guys later. Hit the subscribe button if you're watching on YouTube. And hit that follow button here on social media. DM me at, at the Nick Camp if you want. Leave a comment. Get to know us. Leave a comment on his account. Go follow him to see what he's doing. And I'll talk to you guys next week. Later, guys.